Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. I'm your host, Chris Otto, coming to you on 1010, October 10th, as the professional circuit moves its way through the Asian swing. We have the men having a master's event in Shanghai. The women are spread out in Tianjin, China, Hong Kong, and also Linz, Austria. Lots of tennis, and we'll be talking about that probably wrapping it up after the events are over. So look for another podcast on Monday. We'll be talking with Tennis Now's editor, Richard Pagliaro. But for now, I call your attention to a special feature about 14-year-old American Coco Goff. Goff is featured in a whistle sports project known as No Days Off, which is in its third season of broadcast. You can find it on YouTube. Coco Goff's video dropped last week. The title... 14-year-old is the next Serena Williams. That's a feature about seven and a half minutes in length, chronicling the career of Coco Goff. We were fortunate enough to speak with her yesterday. She's in training at the Patrick Moritoglu Tennis Academy in Nice, France. She took some time out. We got on a little conference call and have about a 20-minute interview to share with you guys about this incredible rising talent who is a Roland Garros girls singles champion. She was the youngest ever finalist in the U.S. Open Girls Singles event in 2017. She is a very talented junior, a junior Fed Cup champion, and she's still just 14, not going to be 15 until this March. We think she has a very, very, very bright future ahead of her, um, and it was really fun to speak with her and get her perspective on her coaching situation, on her family, and more. So straight on to the interview. Hope you enjoy Coco Goff. So um, very fortunate to have Coco Goff, budding young American tennis star with the Tennis Now Lucky Let Court podcast today. She is in Nice, France, spending some quality time at Patrick Moritoglu's Academy. How you doing, Coco? I'm good. Thank you. I'm sorry. You know, I just called you Corey in the intro there, and now I'm calling you Coco already. Is it okay if I call you Coco? Which do you prefer? I prefer Coco because everyone calls me that. Cool. I wanted to ask you something before we get into the interview and talking about your feature for Whistle Sports, the No Days Off feature. I wanted to ask you about your family. The names all begin with C. What is what is the deal? It's Corey, Candy, yeah. Cameron, Cody, Coco. You guys are just in love with the letter C? Uh, well, my parents, they both, both their names, uh, started with C. And both their middle names started with D, so I guess they just wanted to keep it going. And so, yeah, all of us are have the same initials. Wow, that is so cool. So talk to me a little bit about this feature with Whistle Sports. It just dropped last week. It's getting a lot of attention on YouTube. What was it like for you to, yeah. to have the team uh, come to your home and film you? And uh, are you getting pretty comfortable in front of the camera these days? Uh, yeah, it was super fun uh, filming it. I I had a lot of fun. Um, I think it's like it was my first time, like you know, having cameras following me around all day. Yeah. And uh, I know my my brothers really liked it. Uh, <laughs> and um, I'm just thankful that they uh, reached out to me and asked me to be on the show. Yeah. How long did it take? How much time did they spend with you? Uh, just a day, um, like a full day. I think they got to my house at like seven in the morning and then left at like seven in the evening. Your brothers had a good time with it, huh? They seem like really cool kids. Yeah. Um, well, Cody, he's a little camera shy. He's the older one. The older one is, huh? Are, they, are these are they uh, athletes themselves? 
Um, well, Cody, he's 11, and he does uh, uh, basketball, baseball, and football. And Cameron's five. Um, well, right now, I don't think he's playing. I don't think it's just a season mm-hmm. or something, but uh, he, he's done uh, football and, like, uh, basketball. Oh, great. Um, and so you're not at all shy about the fact that the title on this video is 14-year-old Coco Goff is the next Serena Williams. How does that make you feel when you look at that title? Well, um, I, I mean, <laughs> Serena's my idol, so uh, it means a lot. Just people think I could, you know, be like her and, um, you know, accomplish what she's accomplished. Um, but, yeah, <laughs> I I want to uh, accomplish the same things, but I don't really want to be like Serena, just, you know, win as much as she has. <laughs> right. Yeah. You also, I think you also were made some attention when you said, I don't necessarily want to be the next Serena Williams. I want to be the next Coco Goff or the only Coco mm-hmm. Goff. Or what was it that you said exactly? Oof. I think I said, I don't want to be the next Serena. I want to be the first Coco. There you go. Goff. And I like I that. I and, and speaking of the first Coco, you were the youngest player ever to make the finals of the U.S. Open Girls Juniors last year. And then this year, you've had a fantastic season. Of course, the highlight winning Roland Garros Girls Singles title. Mm-hmm. It's got to be fantastic. I mean, you were the youngest player in 24 years to take that title. Um, is, is it still sinking in? Uh, well, I, my family um, and I, we celebrate for like a day or two. And then we get back to work um, because like, you know, tennis is, Yes, you want to win, but it's always uh, looking in the in the future. Um, the way you schedule your things is uh, your tournaments is how you want to be in your prime during the Grand Slam, um, not necessarily the I guess challengers. Uh, Speaking of you know, kind of forging your future. Things got a little bit trickier in the last two majors. You went quarterfinals, Wimbledon, quarterfinals, U.S. Open in the girls' singles. And you also had some experience on the pro tour, uh, playing qualifying at the U.S. Open and then a couple other pro events where you won a match in each of them. Can you talk about your experiences um, playing these at these professional levels and what do you take away from it and what did you learn from those experiences? Um, I just learned that like I'm I'm there, like I'm at the level I just need to improve on, you know, smaller improve on the details, I guess I would, I should say. because um, really tennis is all about the smaller uh details. Matches are won by like sometimes matches are won by one or two points. So um it's just those details that can make the difference of you winning or losing a match. So I think um like I like I'm I'm only 14, so um, my dad always told me like from when I started tennis till now was just kind of like teaching me overall, like teaching me every shot and all that. But now it's time to mm-hmm. focus on the details, like the footwork, um, the footwork, just minor details on on pretty much every shot that really make a difference, even though they seem really small. Right, and just specifically because I spoke with you a little bit at Wimbledon, but but not after the U.S. Open. I just wonder, were you disappointed about losing to Heather Watson or do you consider that just a great experience in general, just being a part of, of the big the big draw for qualifying? Um, I was pretty um, happy because like, I had chances to win that first set against her and she's been playing a lot longer than me and um, she's right. had great results in Grand Slams too. So I like just knowing that, you know, I had chances to win a set off of her 
shows that um, how much improvement I can that can be done. It shows um, just if I keep working hard and keep um, sitting on the right path, and I can uh, get there one day. And speaking of working hard, I know that your parents have been your primary coaches for most of your the seven or eight years that you've played tennis and you've made such great strides. But but recently you've started working with Patrick Moritoglu. You're out there in Nice at his academy this week. Can you talk about his influence, what it's been like getting to know him and getting to work with him a little well, bit? Well, actually, I've known Patrick for a long time, since I was 10 was the first time I worked with him. Um, yeah, so um, I'm really familiar with him. Um, he's been a great help for me. Um, but when I come to the academy, I mean, Patrick, um, I work with Patrick sometimes, but mostly I work with Kare. Uh, he's one of the, he's like one of the directors here at the academy and coaches here. Um, and I mostly work with him. Um, but um, from time to time, Patrick is with me on the court. And um, really, he really notices the smaller details, even without like going back and looking at it. I, I would say he's like, Obviously, he knows like a lot about tennis. We all know that, but like it's just right. for me, it's amazing to see how like I can hit one serve and he already knows uh, what needs to be fixed without uh, even looking at it on camera in slow motion. Um, so that just shows how much he studied the game. And um, yeah, that's and um, part of uh, Serena's success success is because of him. Mm-hmm. For sure. And and when you're out in Nice at the Academy, are your parents out there as well? Yeah, my uh, usually at least one of my parents is with me. Right now my dad is with me. And just a question about the area. Nice is so beautiful. It's south of France, the beautiful beaches. Are, mm -hmm. are you having a lot of fun out there? Do you feel like you're sort of part French all the time you've been spending there these last couple of um, years? Yes. Um, I really love France. It's definitely uh, my favorite you know, country besides the U.S., obviously. Mm -hmm. um, but I really like it here. Um, yeah, I would consider my—I wouldn't consider myself part French until until I learn French, and which mm -hmm. I'm like trying to do a little bit better of learning, picking up some phrases and terms. But hopefully, in a couple years, I can be fluent. It's a beautiful language. Isn't yeah, it? I really like French. Um, probably my—I would well, once I understand it, I would like it more than English. But. Um, I only understand a little bit. Mm -hmm. And you're, you're homeschooling with your mom, is that correct? Uh, well, actually, um, I use I do Florida Virtual, and it's like a regular school. So, like, my mom, she's kind of like a learning coach. She's just, she's just the person who, like, I guess, tracks my progress and everything. But um, she doesn't really, you know, she doesn't teach me anything. It's uh, I actually have teachers. Um, I have a... Um, you know, teachers for every subject. And it's just like a normal school, just except online. So I still talk to my teachers on a weekly basis and I still have some time to have online classes that I need to attend. So, yeah. That's great. And is French the language you're studying? Are you studying a language yet? Um, well, school this year, since I've already done, um, I think in middle school, I've done um, Spanish. I did Spanish in middle school. I've already did completed, I guess, my language elective in middle school. Um, so this year I didn't need to take a language elective, but I've been uh, on my own kind of working on it with um, Duolingo and Rosetta Stone. Mm, very cool. 
you mentioned that Patrick can notice things about your strokes and maybe your serve. And I wanted to ask you about that serve because uh, watching it at Wimbledon, it, it was not only a big shot with a lot of pop. I mean, I saw you hit about 117. And I know recently, I think at Fed Cup, you, you hit 120 on the radar. How did you learn this serve? And what is it about you that makes you such a good server? Is, is it just a stroke that you've worked on extremely hard? Do you feel that you're a natural? I mean, tell me a little bit about the origins of this this really incredible serve you've got. You're listening to the Lucky Let Cord Podcast, a Tennis Now production sponsored by Tennis Express. Now let's get back to our interview with 14-year-old tennis sensation, Coco Goff. Well, when I first came to Patrick's Academy in 10, when I was in Paris, um, they um, like progressively made my serve more like Serena's because she has, I guess she has one of, she has one of the, if not the best serve on uh, the tour right now oh, yeah. um, for women. And her technique is so, her technique is so smooth and um, not really much kinks in it. Yep. And um, actually in tennis, less is more. So I think um, we've just been really working on my serve to make it more efficient. And actually when I hit those hard serves, I really like, I mean, obviously I try to hit it, but, it really like I, it doesn't take much out of me, so I guess it's a little bit of learning the skill, and also it comes a little bit natural because um, some people I guess don't feel as comfortable going for their serve as I do. So I really like going for my serve, but I think it's just a combination of both. Because I even when I was uh, little, uh, when I first started tennis, I was always a big server, even when I was playing with the orange ball. No, mm. oh. you're five foot nine inches. Is that correct? Or, yes. Or have you not checked t- today? Are you still growing? And um, are, your mom and dad don't strike me as being super tall, though. I know your dad was a basketball player. Do you think you've got a you've got a ways to grow here? Mm-hmm. Um. Well, my dad's six two. Okay. Um. I mean, that's tall, but not you know not extreme. Right. Um. So, um. I think I might have maybe. Well, this is my personal, I don't know what the doctors say, but I think I probably have like an inch or two left mm. and I think I'll stop. Um, but um, I'm happy with my height. Um, obviously, I would like to get uh, maybe an inch or two taller, but if I stop growing now, I'm pretty tall now, so I'm okay with it. Okay. You know, one of my favorite things about watching you, especially this year at Wimbledon, where I was able to sit courtside for a few of your matches, is the way you attack the net and finish. This and your composure, I you struck me as someone who is very calm and composed on the court in good situations and bad situations. Can you tell me a little bit about those two things, your ability to attack the net and your desire to attack the net, and then your composure? Um, where do you think those came from? Is that something you always well, just wanted to do as a player? Well, with the net, I think I've always just always liked coming to the net. Um, coming to the net is, I like balling. Um, I like uh, finishing points uh, with a volley winner. Yep. Um, yeah, I just I'm I, I'm the type of player that goes for everything, and um, I guess a lot of girls or women especially don't really take the net as much. Um, but I think it's definitely I think people should use it more because it uh, takes less angles away from the opponent. Um, uh, for composure wise. Yes. Um, I do act. I try to act calm um, <laughs> most of the time, but I still have ways to ways to. Um, I still have a lot of ways to go to, you know, be at like I guess 
um, Sharapova level, she tends to stay really tends to stay really calm on the court. I still have ways to go to reach that. Right. But um, I think I or when looking back, in the moment, I feel like I'm calm. But sometimes looking back at my matches, it, I don't. It doesn't look appear that way. So. Um, I think I just need to work on having positive, more positive body language and, you know, being more positive on the court. But um, I think everybody needs to work on that, too. Right, for sure. And just a couple more questions for you, Coco, because I know you're keeping busy out there. What is, what's the role of your dad as a coach? I mean, he doesn't have that much experience as a, as a tennis mm-hmm. player, but he was an elite basketball player. And I'm sure he's got a lot to add to your game. What would you say are the, his most important contributions to you as a coach? Well, my dad, I think, like, I didn't realize this until maybe a week or two ago. Wow. But, um, like, he wasn't, yeah, I know. This is breaking news here. I know. I got breaking but, news um, on the podcast. I, <laughs> I was just thinking about it, like, I guess last night. But, like, you know, he's done so much for me. And he's, you know, I asked him, like, obviously he likes tennis, but he doesn't, you know, love it, <laughs> you know, as much as I do. He prefers the other sports. Like, I didn't realize this until a week or two ago. Um, But, like, my dad has spent so much time um, studying the game. Like, he spends hours and hours and hours um, watching tennis, um, watching the men and women. Mm -hmm. And um, he's not really the type of person who loves tennis. He just always asks me, just kind of puts up with it because I'm in it. Um, He likes it, but not as much as he enjoys other sports, obviously. And um, I just think that, you know, you know, coming from someone who really has no experience in the sport, um, that he, you know, doing this for me. He's been doing this ever since I was a little kid. Um, I feel like every time I have a problem on the court or uh, I feel uncomfortable with the stroke or something, he knows a way to fix it. And um, he's like, I work with Patrick Curry, but he's like the person who kind of has the final say so. And like, if I need to change the stroke or change uh, something or grip, but they all work together pretty nicely on what what I should improve on and what should stay the same. Mm, yeah, he um, he comes off as super cool. Your parents come off as very laid back in the video. Would you say that's true? Um, no. No. <laughs> in the video, I mean, in person, in person, maybe, but on court, no. My parents are intense, which uh, I'm. I mean, if you watch me play. Uh, you know that I'm intense on the court too. I have very uh, loud reactions mm-hmm. um, after I win a pointer game, and I that comes from them. I think no, um, especially my dad. He's definitely not in person. Maybe I mean, but to me, he, he's not a laid back person at all. Which is I like it because I can't stand you know training with people who are laid back because I like to be intense as well. So. Um, yeah, I don't mind it. And my mom, she's more, she's more laid back to him, but she's pretty intense also. I mean, they're both athletes and they both, um, they're both athletes. And I would say, um, most athletes are really intense just, just cause they always are trying to win. Last few here. Um, what are you planning to do after you finish with Nice? Do you have some big events coming up and, and even beyond that, what are your goals and thoughts about the 2019 season? Well, um, I'm probably going to play a 25K in two weeks in Italy. Cool. And then I go home, and honestly, yeah, honestly, um, I don't really, like, look at my schedule. My dad kind of schedules it all. Um, I prefer not to because I, like, I just like to focus on the next tournament, I guess. 
um, instead of looking ahead. So um, um, I just know I'm playing that, and then I might play one more junior tournament this year so it's, my ranking can stay in the top five so I can have the extra pro tournaments under the WTA age eligibility rule. Right, we know about that. I finish top five in the juniors, I get uh, extra pro tournaments. So I'm going to do that to make sure I can get that. And then after that, um, next year is going to be just pro tournaments, um, trying to get my ranking up, and hopefully I can play U.S. Open again. Mm-hmm. So you're looking at U.S. Open and some other, say, 25K events. Do you think there'll be a chance? Is there a chance of, of wild cards or wild cards to qualies at any main draw events for you? Um, yes. Um, well, yes. I'm, I think, um, well, definitely some 80Ks, 100Ks. Um, cool. I have I have chances to get wild cards to those. Um I think I'm I'm not really sure about um like um I'm not really sure about like the bigger tournaments like Miami and um, Indian Wells. I'm not sure about those, mm-hmm. but I think I have a shot to at least get a quality wild card to U.S. Open next year. Mm-hmm. But you you personally wouldn't mind jumping in on Indian Wells, would you? You'd love that. I mean, when we spoke at Wimbledon, you said you you were ready to play anybody at any level, and you really like to test yourself against the older women. Is that true? Yeah, I would love to play Indian Wells. Um, I played Easter Bowl there a long time ago, and it, the site was beautiful, so mm-hmm. I can't imagine how it is when the uh, actual real thing is there. And every player I talk to say it's one of their favorite tournaments, and I'm just like, I want to play. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It'd be a beautiful uh, beautiful event for sure. It'd be great when you, when you start playing it. And my last question is about your agency and your relationship with Team 8, which is uh, – the agency that is owned by Roger Federer, mm-hmm. it's given you an opportunity to meet Roger. And what, mm-hmm. is, what has that been like? Um, yeah, teammate has been treating me and my family so great. I love, uh, I work um, with Alessandro mostly, but um, I love Tony too and Chris. They're great. Um, everyone I've met from the company so far has been like genuinely nice people. And I'm super thankful that they were able to <laughs> let me beat Roger because he is my favorite male player and he, you know, the greatest of all time yeah. right now. And it's just like, you know, I'm, although I play tennis and I go to these pro tournaments and I see them, like, I guess in the players' lounge, I still, like, you know, fangirl. I just try to keep it inside. Uh, so it was pretty amazing um, just getting a picture of him because you, you see them on TV and social media all the time, but then when you actually see them in person, it's just like a whole other thing. Yeah, that's incredible. And, um, and, and you, you told the story after Australia. He told you to keep chopping wood after a tough loss there. That must have been pretty awesome for you. Yes, definitely. Um, honestly, I was thinking about that in my French Open final. I always, like, for me, I'm the type of person I always have belief in myself. Um, even when I'm losing really badly, I still have belief that I can come back and win. But I think that's just what gave, gives me a lot of motivation in just all my matches in general. And um, my parents, I guess, they, if you ask them, I don't think they ever see me just stop fighting and stop trying because I like to win, and that's just not in tennis. There's been other things, too, um, that my brothers probably get sick of, but I always like to win, and when I lose, I get mad, but then I try to work on it um, the next day or whenever it's time to practice again. So you got that fire is what you're trying to tell me. <laughs> yeah. That's awesome, Coco. I got it from my parents. That's great. 
I'm so pleased to chat with you. I'm going to let you go, um, and I hope you wish you the best of luck in Italy and, of course, next season, and I hope to talk with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Are you not impressed by 14-year-old Coco Goff? So professional and so talented on the tennis court. She is one to watch. Tennis fans, you're looking to get in on the ground floor with a player? Coco Goff could be the one. You can see her on Whistle Sports. The series is called No Days Off. It's Season 3, Episode 2 on YouTube that you're looking for. Whistle Sports, No Days Off, Coco Goff. I'm your host, Chris Otto. Special thanks to Coco Goff for joining us. Special thanks to Tennis Express, our sponsor. If you want to check us out on iTunes, we love those five-star ratings and in-depth reviews that you leave. Also find us at Twitter, at Tennis underscore now, on Facebook, facebook.com slash tennis now.